I want to tell you as a young artist, as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a comedian, as a sculptor, as a painter, as a poet, as a novelist, um, that regardless of what is out there, the fullness and the vastness of what's inside your 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 brain and, and your heart and your psyche and your lived experience and all the agonies and all the ecstasies, those are the things that form you. Seek to be most truthful in what it is that you have to say about the world and you will find that the world will show up truthfully for you as well. And I think that is the biggest award for any artist that puts their work out there. Salam and hello everyone. My name is Lily Bakala Piper and thank you for tuning in today. If you're like me, you know it is Oscar season. And if you're like me, you're a movie buff, which means that you saw a lot of movies in 2022. I know for me, a huge highlight was Wakanda Forever. I absolutely loved every minute of that two hour plus movie from the costuming to the music to the storyline. It just took me in. I loved it. And when the Academy Award announced their nominations for the 95th Oscars just this week, I was anxiously waiting to see what African or Black writers, directors, and actors would get recognized by this year's Academy. And there were some really well-deserved nominations this year. So a huge shout out to Thames and Rihanna for picking up an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song for Lift Me Up from Wakanda Forever. Uh, congratulations to Angela Bassett and Brian Tyree Harry picked up acting nominations for their work this year. But there were certainly a lot of missing nominations, I thought at least. I mean, The Woman King, that was a film that featured both you know, Black actors and a story from the continent. We rarely get that. We rarely get a story that features also women at the center of an action pick like that. It was just such a huge achievement for Gina Price Blythewood that I was really hoping she would get a Best Director nod or there would be something for that gorgeous costuming or scenery, but, but nothing, nothing for them, nothing for Till, nothing for Nope. And so, you know, it left me wondering, is the Academy Awards really going to always be the one body that gets to tell us what movies were really the best of the best that year? So I started looking around, looking at the best films from Africa. You know, what were the films that came out of the continent this year, from the diaspora, from the creators and thinkers right here on the ground? And as I started to peruse those lists on different blogs, I was actually embarrassed that I had not seen or heard of many more of them. Let me, let me tell you about a few. So I saw a, a trailer for Father's Day out of Rwanda. I hadn't heard about that film. Apparently one of the biggest ones out of Nigeria this year was King of Thieves. I hadn't heard of that one either. And from my own home country of Ethiopia, Among Us Women, I hadn't heard of that one either. And I was embarrassed, but also a bit frustrated. You know, why is it so hard for us to get access to African films on the continent? And I'm sure for those filmmakers, why is it hard for them to get an audience for their films if it's not on Netflix or on another streaming service? Just so many questions about validation of films, pipelines for stories, and the opportunities that, you know, seem to exist or not exist for African filmmakers, Black actors, directors, thinkers, writers, costumers, you know, everyone across the spectrum that it takes to create a film. So to answer all of those questions and more, I am just so delighted to have my friend, the actor, writer, and director, Mugambi Nthinga with me today. I first met Mugambi a few years ago when he was directing the Too Early for Birds Tom and Boya edition play. 
that show was just sensational. It really set Nairobi just on fire. It was an incredible work of artistry and storytelling and really an engagement for us with our history here in East Africa. It was gorgeous. I reached out to Mugambi and the rest of the cast and actually had a two-part interview with them on the show. So if you look back in the archives, you'll see a conversation I had with him and Abu and Mercy and Ngatia about what it took to put on that show. But Mugambi is not just a director. He is also an actor. You may have seen him in the TV drama Changes or perhaps in the comedy sketch group Because I Said So. In fact, Because I Said So has a show coming up on February 4th. So if you're looking for something to do next weekend, please check them out. They are hilarious. Um, Mugambi is also a prolific director and has had some wonderful films come out the last few years. In the last couple of years related to the Academy, though, he's had two films that have come up and been Kenya's um, nominations for the Academy Awards, which is really extraordinary. In 2016, he co-wrote Kati Kati with Mbitha Masaya, and that film went on to be Kenya's nomination for the Academy Awards. Really incredible. Kati Kati debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival and was won the Fabrisky Prize that year at that festival. Just an extraordinary achievement. He went on the very next year to write Supermodo, which is just a beautiful film. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Just buy it. Go out there, support his work. It's a touching and beautiful story about a community that rallies around a young girl with a terminal illness. Supermodo ended up being Kenya's submission to the Oscars in 2018. Uh, another film that he co-wrote and is just wonderful. But perhaps, you know, Mugambi from Nairobi Half-Life, which debuted 10 years ago, which is hard to believe. Nairobi Half-Life is, you know, part of the Nairobi, you know, discography and part of what we all, I think, is a touch point for us in pop culture here. Acting is, according to Mugambi, his very first love. So you have to check out Nairobi Half-Life on Netflix right now if you haven't yet and, and check out his work on the big screen. In fact, Kati Kati, his film that he co-wrote, is also going to be coming to Netflix soon. So before I go on and on about Mugambi, which I absolutely can, let's just get right into the conversation that he had with me about this year's Oscars, about representation, about the pipeline for stories, and what does this all mean for actors and creators here on the continent? So welcome to Salam and Hello, my friend, the actor, writer, and director, Mugambi Nthinga. So Mugambi, welcome to Salam and Hello. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you. I'm really glad to be having a conversation with you again. It was always yeah. fun. Good. I'm glad you feel that way because I have a feeling I'm going to be asking you again and again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mugambi, yeah. let's talk the movies. Let's talk movies. Okay. Let's start with something easy. What, what was your favorite movie this year? Oh, that, that is not an easy question uh, <laughs> to answer. Um, I mean, I really loved, I think everyone, I mean, the world's favorite right now is everything everywhere all at once. I, I think that was a beautiful, just a triumphant, transcendent film. I've watched it only once. Uh, I'm really saving, I, I now want to watch it like three or four more times. So I'm really saving it for when I'm fully there, fully present, because it's not the kind of film that you watch casually. Not at all. I, I thought it was beautiful. Okay, that's interesting. You know, it's one of those films where I had heard people saying it was really beautiful. So then I was like, oh, yeah, I better watch this thing. I watched it. I was pretty confused. Like at first I was drawn <laughs> in. I loved the story, the family unit and all that. Then it just kind of blew me away. But it is getting all kinds of attention. Last night yeah. at the Academy Award of nominations, I think it picked up the most ever 
for an Asian kind of centered film. It really, the first time ever, in fact, what I found was fascinating that the woman who plays the lead actress, whose name I apologize, I did not write down. Uh, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, she is the first woman of Asian descent to be nominated in that category who was not, who was like forward facing Asian in the sense that the last woman I think was in 1953, but was not um, identifying as Asian at the time. She was white passing. So I thought that was pretty historic um, that this woman is being recognized for her very long career. Michelle Yeoh has been in many, many films. Um, she so has. Long overdue to be recognized. Um, okay. Yeah that, yeah. that was your favorite big blockbuster film. T- tell us, Mugami, maybe films that lesser known, any, any smaller films, indie films that you think that we should have known that may have come across your radar you, that you think should have gotten a bit more attention this year? Oh man, now you asked me that question and I go blank. I, I really should have thought about that before this this one. I, I'll I'll admit though, I've been going back to some of the uh, um and I think I've been doing this since the pandemic started. I, I haven't been rushing in as quickly uh to watch the new ones uh that come through. I'm really saving those just before just just before the awards. Okay. Uh, so that I can talk about and and really know what the full scope of films was like. So there's one film that I've been going back to over and over again, and that is Parasite. Parasite mm. is like a comfort watch for me. I know it came out in 2019, won Best Picture in 2020, also broke history, uh, made history in that one because it was the first all you know foreign language film uh, that won Best Picture. Um, it also won Best International Feature, which the Academy had just changed in name from uh, Best, what is it? Best foreign language film. That's right. It used to be best foreign language film. Then they switched it in 2020 um, to, yeah, best international feature. They haven't changed the rules around it, which I think is a little bit redundant because it's still a foreign language film. The film has to be over 40 or over 50% non-English language. And if it isn't, uh, then it doesn't qualify. So you could have a film that was shot in South Africa or in Kenya that would be entirely done in English or would be done 30% or 20% in a language other than English and wouldn't qualify simply because it doesn't, it's not a best, it's not a foreign language film, which begs the question if uh, the Academy owns the English language or has dibs on it so much that anything that comes in that doesn't have a language uh, that's, that that has a language that's English, um, but is from another country does not qualify as an international feature. That aside, Parasite is a very good film, and it's the one that I keep going back to. Hmm. I liked Parasite yeah. too. That that that's one of those movies that the the twist is definitely worth the hype. You know, it's one of those movies yeah. that definitely was like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. That was worth the watch. But let's let's bring the you said let's that aside, but let's bring the Academy back in, into the fold because let's talk about sure. the award nominations. It was a big year for Afrocentric films. You know, Wakanda Forever came out. I think all of us were waiting for that sequel to come out. We had The Woman King, which was a a kind of a first for Hollywood to have both a female-centered cast doing an action film, and that that female cast was both Black and centered in the African continent. I think that's a first, Mugambi. I can't think of another film that was quite like The Woman King in, 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 in a blockbuster level. So let's talk about the Academy Awards. So the nominations came out yesterday. Woman King was completely snubbed, not a single nomination. 
costuming, sound, directing for um, Gina Price Blythewood, nothing, mm -hmm. nothing mm -hmm. for um, our lead actress, you know, who we yeah. adore, Viola Davis, a ton of wonderful new actors uh, who were in supporting roles, John Boyega, nothing. So that's one thing. Yeah. Wakanda yeah, Forever, yeah. on the other hand, had a, a, several really w wonderful nods, a second nomination for their costume design. I think a, um, a wonderful nomination for Thames and Rihanna for original yeah. song. Thames's first Nigerian to ever be nominated for an Academy Award in the, that category. Mm. So, listen, I want to ask you so many questions around this, but first let me ask you, how valuable is an Academy Award nomination to African filmmakers? You know, it's a Western organization based in Hollywood, based in the West. Is it still holding that same, you know, weight for these films and for these filmmakers? I'll start by saying that I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Um, I, I think that uh, the evolution of the conversation around awards shows, particularly those that are based in America, has been very slow. I think we were probably 10 maybe even 20 years behind on the conversation, but it takes a hashtag like Oscar so white, and it takes the action of, of actions of people within the system to start drawing attention to the fact that, um, and, and I'll quote Bong Joon-ho, director of Parasite on this, that the Oscars is largely a local award ceremony. Mm. And you know, when he said that we were like, whoa, okay, man, he, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's correct. And we never really saw it that way. And someone who was actually winning all of these awards um, and, 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 and coming from South Korea was like, you know, from the outside in, even if you guys are giving me all this love now, this is still very much a local award ceremony. Now, I'm not saying that they're completely invaluable, uh, valueless. Sure. I'm not saying that they, I, I mean, I was up at four in the morning. I remember it was at exactly six when Lupita won the Oscar and I woke up the people in the house with my cheer yes, yes. because I was just so freaking excited. Uh, that a mm -hmm. Kenyan had won uh, 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 an Oscar for, I, I believe it was uh, uh, in a leading role yeah. for 12, 12 years a slave. And it was for, uh, yeah, um, actress in a, in a supporting role. And that that felt really good. And we talked about it. When What Water made its way to the Oscars and we had Kenyans on the red carpet in front of the Staples Center, that made us really excited as well. Um, Kati Kati, uh, Nairobi Half-Life, Supermodo have all been uh, official selections uh, by Kenya for, for the Oscars. In the, and congratulations um, to you, Mugambi. Thank you. For thank being you very much. a key <laughs> ambassador for us and our stories, truly. Thank no, you. And, thank you and very congratulations. Grateful. Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I will say the the number of submissions every year has increases. I think at Nairobi Half-Life, we were among 90 plus other films now would be among probably 100 110 plus other films but it still matters that these films are seen on a global audience a global stage and one that has still has the glitz it still has a glamour it has the media attention and it still has the um the the, the clout uh, right. if if i called myself Oscar nominated, then my rate card would go up or I'd be sought a lot more uh, um, outside outside of these borders. So I'm not saying that they are entirely without value. I will say this, and I say this as much for the local industry, awards can only do so much. 
and awards are part of a robust scene where there's other things happening. If we're talking about a film industry, uh, then awards just make up for just a little tiny bit. It's one night in a year when we look back on everything that has been done and set um, and, 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 and award those before the world and say that this is what good cinema ought to be. Uh, but there is the good cinema behind it. Uh, and I, I was disappointed as anyone else that Nope didn't have a stronger showing, uh, that uh, hmm, Woman King right. didn't have a stronger yeah. showing. Yeah, I, I was quite disappointed by it. Um, but, and this is where this is going to sound controversial, and this is just my own point of view, I did not think that they were amazing. That's sure. just my personal point of view. I thought that they were uh, groundbreaking films. I think that Jordan Peele is one of the most important filmmakers of our time right now. He would, I, I wouldn't compare him to Spike Lee, but he is still taking the baton in terms of using film as an art form to comment on what's going on in the real world. And there's not a single film that doesn't uh, include issues of race and right. uh, the struggles and all the complications around that. And I think film is a really, really good way to address all of those things. And in Nope, um, he even goes back in history and goes back to one of the very first uh, uh, bits of footage that was committed to film. And that was the loop, I think 12 frames long of a black man riding on a horse. So, wow, one of the first people committed to film in the US was a black man on a horse. And then goes all the way to the, I don't know, five generations down the line and talks about them trying to film something just so that they can make a little bit of money. I think it's it's wonderful. It's good. Woman King takes uh, uh, a, a, a tribe of people that were not known, uh, that existed in actual history, and then uh, uh, has a screenwriter come and put the, together this story, has a Black filmmaker uh, 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 do the directing, and then has as its lead uh, all of these beautiful Black women, um, melanin popping, and they are tough, and they are kicking ass left, right, right and center. And I think one of my favorite scenes in the film was not even the fighting, it was the dancing. Yeah, it's There's beautiful. this one particular scene where they are getting, they are psyching up and, oh my God, I've not seen movement like that on cinema at all. I, I wish those shots were longer. I, again, that's just my director view. Um, but I wish a lot of these shots were longer, but it's it's important to have these films out there. And I think rather than start, you know, having our crosshairs on what is black film at award season, we need to be talking about where there's not enough of this film. Why don't we have a bigger pool right? outside of Wakanda Forever and Woman King? And nope, there needs to be a bigger pool of black cinema from which we can now uh, transfer all the way to the uh, awards. So so I think you've, I want to unpack a few things that you've said. Maybe I'll work sure. backwards from the last thing you said about the pool, because as I was looking, preparing for this interview and looking for the best African films from critics or the best films from the continent, that critics were putting forward from 2022. I was yeah. struck by how many of them either I had not heard of and definitely had not seen. So then I was like, yes. okay, great. I've got a great list of movies. Let me start looking, let me watch them. I started yes. trying to look for them. I could not find a legal way <laughs> to yes. watch them online, right? <laughs> I couldn't find a link where I could pay and rent it or, or watch it at all for any of them. There was 10 on this one particular list I was looking for. Then, of course, you can go to Netflix and there's curated lists. Netflix has been on a charge to, to, to curate content 
content from the continent. So in terms mm-hmm. of this pool of movies, I don't want to take an issue with what you said, but in my mind, there seems to be a significant pool, right? We've got 54 countries on this continent, creatives left, right, and center making content. Maybe it's that the pool isn't, the, the, the stream is narrow to Hollywood, um, but that the pool actually here is quite large. And so it's maybe what those nominations, if I hear you, what you were saying earlier in terms of what it gives in terms of clout, that clout, I imagine, can translate into funding, can translate mm. into better distribution for your next project or even some of your old projects. So yeah. the ecosystem around filmmaking seems rather complex. Yes. So if, if you're looking at just what we have here in Nairobi and just what you can watch here on a Friday night or on a Thursday night yeah. with your friends, our options are limited. Um, yes, and so absolutely. To your point about the pool, it is limited. Do you see that changing? Do you see a difference between when Lupita won her first Oscar, and I think that's been now several years ago, to mm. now, or when Nairobi Half-Life came out 10 years ago to now, what yeah. that pool looks like? Are you seeing, is it getting better? Are you excited about you know, the pipeline of stories that we're seeing on the continent? Wow, <laughs> that's a really good question, Lily. Um... I'm excited about the, uh, yes, I am absolutely excited about it. I am, um, the stories are there. The means to tell the stories are there. The will to tell the stories are there and the storytellers are there. All of those are there. You have those, you bring those together. That's 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 everything that you need um, just to get the story done. But you bring up a very, very valid point when you talk about funding and distribution. Um, I cannot tell this story without talking about when uh, uh, Kenya was uh, celebrating what uh, they're calling the great digital migration, where uh, TV, uh, broadcast television was moving entirely online. Uh, It was moving from analog, where you had to have an aerial at the top of your house, (laughs) to digital, where you needed a set-top box or you had um, uh, 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 a a smart TV, and then you could or a YouTube connection, you get everything. And we thought at that point that that means that we can make anything and anything is going to be on air and everything is going to be seen. But there was no, they were still approaching this with the same budgets and the same mindset that they could get to reach the same people. And this is not the 90s where three stations or two stations could reach masses. Now audiences are so fragmented. There's audiences everywhere, audiences for everything. Now, Bringing that home to African filmmaking, audiences here are fragmented as well. We're not a monolith. Uh, so there's the people that like their dramas, the people that like their musicals or their horrors or their magical realism, the people who like their comedies or their romantic comedies. And there is still the need to put money behind these stories. And I'm not just talking about budgets for the filmmaking. Um, I'm talking about the time and the space for the people to expand on these ideas. And once that has been made, uh, and the film has been written, then we need the funding for the production, post-production, and then after that for good impact producing campaigns that will then enable these films to be seen around the world. I don't have to wait for an NBO film festival, for instance, to watch a film from Nigeria that I loved, that I saw last year called Eimofe. Just a beautiful, beautiful film. I would not have seen it any other way than the NBO film festival. Someone who's writing about African film, a white person in Variety or The Hollywood Reporter knows more about African film than I do because he has more access because he can travel and he can go to all the festivals. I can't afford to do that. 
if I don't have a film within the festival circuit, I won't watch an air conditioner, for instance. So I, I and think Mugambi, that let there's me a ask need for people to see them. Yeah, go ahead. So, so even even festivals are limited, right? Because that's yes, two hundred people coming by invitation once a year, one off. So tell me, what's the limit or what's what's the trade off for a filmmaker who may just want to have their their movie on YouTube or Vimeo? What what are you giving up in order to get your film to the public? The means the means for that film to to be worth your while. Hmm. Because um, there's because no there's no investment. Yes, uh, these 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 uh, platforms that you have mentioned now are have very limited. I mean, I have to go through walls of advertising first of all, and the 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 money will have to be split among many levels. I'll, I'll talk about um, Nairobi Half-Life, for instance. The payment for that, which isn't that big, is paid over the course of three years. Um, so it's going to be, have to be three years quarterly payments. That means uh, 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 12 payments, a small amount split into 12 payments that has to be distributed to the cast and the crew. It, um, if, if that money got to me, I might go and buy credit. Maybe I'll buy some airtime <laughs> to be on this call. It, it's not that much. Yeah. So that's 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 the trade-off. That's the trade-off that um, it, it won't end up in a cinema. It's not going to end up on the distribution channels that Hollywood films will uh, end up on. It won't make its money back. Um, and so we are at a crossroads where we're like, do I want my film seen by lots of people or do I want to make lots of money from it? And what I'm saying is that in my dream world, both of those things can coexist. Right. I don't know how. Yeah, but I think that there ought to be a nice middle ground where I get to have my stuff seen and I don't have to wait 10 years uh, for Nairobi Half-Life to then be on Netflix. On Netflix, <laughs> absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because I was reading that The Woman King far surpassed the, the monetary investment that it, uh, it took to make it, that it was a surprise. And in some ways, even though if it got snubbed by the Oscars and it was just last night, so maybe in two weeks' time, there may be some more criticism of that, but they made they made way more money than they thought. And that is was very unusual and it was a surprise. And so in some ways that is a success, right? So now maybe when yeah. Gina Prince-Blythewood, who's a black woman director, goes to make her next project, there's gonna be more willingness to partner with her and invest in her, her next story because yeah. she has evidence now that she can make a blockbuster hit. Maybe not critical success, but she can make money at the blockbuster. And that Americans at least, wanted to see a movie with an all-Black female cast about the Dahomey kingdom in Benin, I mean, which is kind of incredible. So if we, if we take that narrative and we translate it to the continent, which is I really do want to focus on, Wakanda Forever broke records on the continent. It was a, the highest grossing film in Nigeria last year, in South Africa, in East Africa. It was the film that made the most money in all of those, all of those places. And it so there's still some relevance here, right? There's still a draw here. Um, as a director and a filmmaker and a writer and an actor, a person who has seen you know, all the levels of what it takes to put a film together and yeah. also understanding the local economy around filmmaking and somebody who has invested in local films and, and put out as a representative of Kenya to, to the Oscars several films. Is there is there is there room for both right now? Is there room for Wakanda Forever on our Friday shelves as well as you know Supermodo as well as Kati Kati? You know when when Kati Kati, for example, came out, 
Was it competing with these Hollywood films at our theaters on the weekends? And, and how did it do? Katikati screened for a total of two weeks at the cinema, as did uh, my directorial debut, Lusala. Now, Supermoto stayed on there a little bit longer. When its Oscar run began, it came back onto the screens and got seen by a lot of people. Uh, however, Supermoto was infinitely more popular in Europe than it was here. It was actually, there was a school tour that was launched in two countries, I think Sweden and Poland, where hundreds of school children, as part of the official syllabus of their school as an extracurricular activity, got to see uh, Supermoto. It then won the best European film for children because it was co-produced in Germany. Um, Katikati couldn't compete against the biggest films of that time. Um, people would still uh, uh, see a Hollywood film and then see that there was a Kenyan film that they probably didn't hear of, uh, didn't know it was a Kenyan film because it had a Swahili name, but probably would not want to take the risk to spend their, 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 their ticket or concession money on a film that could be good or not um, mm. measured against a Hollywood standard. Now, onto your question as to whether a film like The Woman King would make space for more African film to be seen. Yes, absolutely. I think there's something on the write-up that you sent to me. I can't remember what the wording of that was. And I think it was really beautiful, but it presents like an ideal, borderline mystical version of Africa. That's what both these films do. Um, Wakanda Forever, I think most uh, uh, predominantly presents this Africa that doesn't exist. It's it's fantasy. It's right. it's a fairy tale. It's a superhero film, and I think there's space for that. And I think it does put the foot in the door for our expression, our dance, our music, our accents, our lingo, our streets, our dressing. All of that is good. That's wonderful. But I think we need to come back, for instance, 10 years from now and see that uh, uh, Wakanda Forever inspired all of these homegrown films from Africa to then be seen by people outside of the continent. And most, of course, most importantly, by people within the continent. And I'm talking about millions. Was mm -hmm. it seen in cinemas? Was it seen in social spaces? Was it seen, seen in schools? Did it become part of the, uh, the, the pop culture and the zeitgeist? Did we see gifts uh, from them? Do we see people posting them on their Instagram stories and talking about, I got to watch this film? Are there people who are writing essays and very critically thought and very thoughtful and mindful uh, critiques and essays about it? That is what ought to be happening. I'm not saying that it's not happening now. It's just not at the scale that we should. And I don't think honestly that Hollywood is it when it comes to the African stories there's still going to be a foreign gaze. I think they're doing really well, but I think there needs to be modern day stories here that are on the ground. Yeah, you, you said something really interesting. I think that that, that translation of an uh, indicator of success being, are you a GIF? <laughs> are you part of the pop culture reference? is really interesting. Maybe that more than the Academy Award shows that you translated, right? That your, your story has resonated with the, the teenagers in town, with you know the show show of country that, that that it has now become part Absolutely. of the cultural reference of what happened in 2022. Oh, that was the year that you know we saw, you know whatever film it was that came from the continent that really resonated with us. I think that's a really powerful way to take back actually some of yes. the power from Hollywood to say, you know this, that we will kind of be our own evidence of of what yeah. su what success can be. 
you know, it reminds me of what Haile Garima said, his, his classic film and extraordinary work, Sankofa, got to Netflix last year, 2021. And he got all this attention. He's an Ethiopian filmmaker who is very well known in the diaspora, very well appreciated, not always lauded where he should be. But when he was given an yeah. award, he said, you know, he was given an award by the Academy of Museum of Motion Pictures. And he said, you know, this is an industry that I have no relationship with and no trust in. And similar to the director of Parasite, I think, to say this is a local awards ceremony and how important. And, and, and it kind of, I think, begs another question, Mugambi, is, is, is there a dual pressure then on African filmmakers that you carry both a dual kind of burden of both having to create stories that are beautiful and entertaining, because that's what you are, your storytellers, and you then have this representative role where you have to then kind of carry that story to the culture, to the people, um, I don't know. Do you ever feel yeah, that as a yeah, filmmaker yeah. That, that you have to do the most, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I really wish that the responsibility wasn't to the filmmaker to then carry the film. I, I wish that, right. you know, once the film is submitted and it's completed and I've done the last thing, we've done the color, we've done the sound, we have put in the credits and now congratulations, we have a film, we have um, uh, our premiere and my work is done. I, I just want my phone pinging, asking me where I'm going to go and speak or where I'm going to go and present about it. Um, I think it's a really important question, Lily, because film is still seen, and I think we'll get it wrong in Kenya. I'll speak for Kenya, I don't know about the rest of Africa, but I think we'll continue getting it wrong if we look at film and, and measure it the way we do businesses on the stock exchange. That I'm putting say in more, a little bit more. of money. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm putting in a little bit of money and then we make a product and then the product comes out and I want to make more from that product than I put in. We are very far away from that now. Um, and and uh, forget, forget even art. I, I, if I was to make an invention right now, you know, like a, that, that protected me, an invisible force field that protected me from bullets, but I needed $1 billion uh, to put in. The first question would not be, okay, so let's, how much money can we make if we mass produce these for people? No, it would be like, okay, what is the value of this invention that you have made and how much money can we put around that? I wish more people asked what the value of stories were, culturally, for instance. Yes, yes. Um, if a film like Lusala that deals with issues of mental illness, what is the value of that aside from the money in terms of the conversation starter that it is? to people who would not have that conversation any other way. What is the value of a piece of literature from Wangari Madai that needs to be seen by a lot of people in the face of the degradation of the environment that's going on now and the very visible effects of climate change? Is it still money? No, it's not. There is a lot of other ways that you can measure the cultural or, or the importance of a piece of art and have it seen by people and put the money behind it so that as many people can see it as possible and as many conversations can start. If my work was seen as being uh, culturally relevant so much that let's put all the money and then let's start programs where these films can be seen, then I would have more like yesterday having a, a cab driver after he dropped me off uh, uh, at Unseen, Nairobi, turning behind and seeing, are you that guy from Nairobi Half-Life? And I'm like, yeah, and thank you so much, man. And he says that film was amazing. And that film showed us in a way that I'd never seen before. It's a taxi driver telling me. I've had a, a, a street boy who was asking for money at the car window 
And I told him, man, I don't have anything. Go away and then come back and say, you're the guy from Nairobi Half-Life, right? And I'm like, how did you watch that? And he said, I watched it at my auntie's place. Every so often on the streets get hard, get too difficult. I can go there. And she has films and I watch them there. Um, I received pictures of people, um, uh, mothers, uh, friends, friends of mine whose sons and daughters were tying shukas like lessos around their neck and running around like superheroes after seeing supermoto. You can't put a price on that. you, you, You can't. That's not how it works. So I think people really need to be looking at what other value that art and film and art of all shapes and sizes has and contributes to the society other than money. Otherwise, we're still getting it wrong. Oh, the, this, I, if I was in a theater, I'd be giving you a standing ovation at this point. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you're touching on something, uh, Becky, you. Becky, one of my producers and I have, have talked about, about the, the need for a national endowment for the arts or something yes. in the continent that can just support art for art's sake to empower Absolutely. both new voices, un- marginalized voices, and the voices that have been there for a long time, just trying to get their voices out and art for art's sake. Absolutely, Mugambi, just... Yes, bravo, amen. Yes, I just can't. I, there's nothing to add to what you said except that you're absolutely right. Um, you know, talking yeah. about you know the 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 pipeline and just this neat, this art for art's sake. You said something earlier about the white gaze, and and I want to come back to that. Um, okay. I'm, I hope I don't make you too uncomfortable because I know you know and have friends who are producing and making movies and and TV products everywhere. I know you're more of a movie yeah. guy. But, you know, we've seen this uptick, especially around Netflix. Um, there's this real call for international content. So not just not just Africa, but around the world. You're seeing, you know, all kinds of content coming from literally everywhere. And on the one hand, it's tr- tremendously exciting. You're seeing, I'm seeing films I would never have seen otherwise, right? To, just to, to yeah. our earlier point of, of being able to actually see movies from Nigeria or Korea or, you know, anywhere across the world. And at the mm. same time, there is something about the white gaze that seems to seep in at times. And you wonder kind of what gets green lighted, what gets there. There's been some recent films, I won't name all of them, that I've seen that have come from our <laughs> beloved Kenya that I've just been like, how now? How now? Is this, this is really, you know, I'm, and, and on the one hand, I'm recognizing oh. places and I'm like, oh, I've been there. It's so cool to see, you know, places you've been on the big screen. But you're just thinking, my what? guy, like, <laughs> why is this? How did this one get on Netflix? In this critical space of both needing to get your film seen so you can do the next project, and um, and maybe it is you do this one project so you can do the the passion project that you have that is around these really deep issues. Or otherwise, how do you balance that? That the 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 Netflix is come uh, calling and they need content Yeah, and you can put it out yeah. there. And I know you've had to do both commercial work to pay the bills. And then yeah. you, then you yes. have these beautiful projects like Supermodo. So where's that nexus yeah. for you? And, and how do you make some of those calls? Maybe you can speak more from the personal rather than the theoretical. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to speak about it from the personal, because I, I, I'm not sure I can speak for the entire industry, which is a good thing, which is a really Absolutely. good thing. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I can't speak it. I can't speak for the affiliate productions uh, who will put out click, click, bang, bang and distribute it entirely online on their own terms and not have to go through a Netflix and still make their money back. Hmm. I, I can't speak for them. I can just say that. Oh, right. that worked for them. Uh, but in 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 terms of 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 what you're saying, I I, I think it's 
completely, what you have said is absolutely correct. Let's look at uh, more established, uh, more, let's let's look at an industry that has existed for a hundred years. I, I think uh, at, at the time Parasite came out, uh, cinema had been alive in South Korea for a hundred years, a whole century of wow. filmmaking tradition. We don't, we're not even a hundred years old as a country, as a republic, as a democracy that is free from colonialism. Um, I, I think what, um, um, allow me to use a Sheng, a Sheng phrase here. I think we'll have Omokad, uh, we'll have really reached our full um, uh, our potential as, as a film industry if all bits of work are welcome. So there's a space, there's the space for the more Hollywood glitzy that has that, you know, that's that sheen and everyone drives a Mercedes and they speak in phrases that I have never spoken of in my life. And, and they're dealing with problems that like I have no idea what that feels like. Um, and then there's a space for uh, a small independent uh, film, uh, like one uh, called Juakani that premiered at uh, yes. IFFR last year that followed um, uh, uh, a domestic worker as she worked in various homes around Nairobi. There is a space for both of those to, to exist. And I think they already exist. I think we will have reached a zenith as a viewing culture, not just for Kenya, um, uh, but for Africa as well. If there is equal space for all of these pieces of work to be seen. And the person that is looking for the indie feature, the art house feature that breaks genres and blends things and, 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 and shows Africa in a way that we've never seen before can coexist with a disconnect too. I, I, I think it's fine. All of these films are welcome. They are fulfilling the work that they need to do. But as long as, and I'll go back to the previous thing, it still comes down to a money game and to bring it even home, it comes down to an algorithm game then we who can't tickle the algorithm as well as other people can will not be seen. And that is uneven playing ground, unfortunately. About two or three years ago, I decided it was actually when Ava DuVernay's Netflix series came out, um, When They See Us. When yeah, that series yeah, came out, yeah. I watched the first episode and I could not watch yeah. any more. Um, it's about, I, the, about the exonerated five. And I was like, I am not yeah. going to watch any more Black people being victimized. This is not mm, entertainment mm. to me. You know, I, I watch mm. movies. I go to the movies to be lifted, to be entertained, to be challenged, to be engaged, to be made to think. But I am tired of seeing us as Black people victimized. And I remember Lupita got a lot of criticism as well, right? Even though she won the Oscar, that it was for a role in which she was brutalized. Um, Denzel Washington, similarly, when he won his first Oscar, it was for a role mm -hmm. in which he played a very seedy, rough character. And but he was snubbed when he played Malcolm X, which was an extraordinary right. performance. I mean, Mugambi. Absolutely. It was one of my favorites. What I mean, just for the for the till the end of time will be just one of the yeah. most brilliant performances to ever grace a stage. And and the and the Academy, I don't think, was ready for Malcolm X or his performance at that time. Mm -hmm. So when they were ready, they gave him the nomination. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't really have a question in here for you. I'm just yeah. commiserating with yeah. you over this idea of, of the complexity and the diversity of where we find ourselves. Um, you know, it's, it's, you, mm -hmm. can't, you can't win at some times with, uh, with us, you know, and, and this is where we were saying a moment ago, Black filmmakers, African filmmakers often have so much responsibility on their shoulders 
And at the end yeah. of the day, they should just be allowed to be a storyteller. Um, Absolutely. And just do their work. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do yeah. think people like Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele seems to be one of those artists who maybe because he's in a genre of like horror slash comedy, which is an interesting genre. He seems to be yeah. able to do it in a way that finds levity in it. I don't know. He's an interesting guy. Absolutely. And and if you're talking about Jordan Peele, let's also look at the work that he did on Key and Peele. Yes. Yes. Can Always you, controversial. One? Yeah. Yes. But it was thought provoking. It made you laugh, but it made you think. Absolutely. And, and this one person is able to exist as this sketch comedy artist and also this very groundbreaking filmmaker who's able to uh, take these genres and bend them this way and that. that That's it. That's right. right? That, that's, that's us making it. Yes, it that's is. Us it is. It's big, yes, on, it it's is. big on YouTube. Big on YouTube. And he has, you know, hundreds of millions of views on YouTube for people that might never go into a cinema to watch Nope. Absolutely. And then there's people who will watch Nope who don't really care much for uh, uh, two church women cursing out Satan um, in, in all of these bombastic terms on YouTube. Right. And that's it right there. The diversity from one end to another, all of this work matters. I think when we talk about Black work, we talk about Black lives matter. I think that's a very, very important conversation. Let's talk about all the other things that are Black that matter. Black mm -hmm. expression matters in all its various shades and all its various colors. And there needs to be the space, the headspace. Before we start putting in funding, before we start putting in distribution channels, that uh, put African work front and center from all over the continent, it's going to take so many barriers being broken in our minds first. And not just for the people making the decisions, even for the people who are viewing the work. It's going to take barriers for the cinema people here to start saying, you know what, Katikati didn't do too well in its two weeks. Let's give it six weeks, just so that it can gain that Absolutely. resonance. Because it doesn't have the capacity to be a marvel movie in terms of the marketing um so why don't we give it time for people to come in and see what it's about and then have the conversation outside of just putting bums on seats what about this is an important piece of work that needs to be seen by more people let's run the trailers a little bit more let's get outside of the way that we think film needs to be distributed let's get outside what the profit making model for film ought to be and then have it be about the important uh, work of representation. That's where the big work is. Film is just a vehicle for representation. Film is just forming the basis for this conversation that we're having now. Absolutely. But the bigger thing here is representation and what or whose story or work or uh, presence matters most. Absolutely. You know, there was, yeah. an, um, I, I work a little bit with journalists as well, and it, it's it's amazing how journalism as a field has catapulted policy and government to be changed. It can catapult movements, you know, a headline yes. can completely upend, right? It can create a political movement. And, and film has that same power, you know, it has the power to catapult conversations. It looks different. It's going to feel different. But making people think, making people feel represented, making people feel seen, I mean, all of these things. I, I think as a young child growing up in the diaspora, you, I'm looking right now actually at my movie collection. We have every single film put out about Ethiopia, whether it's a documentary or Haile Gebrselassie's film about his running. We have every right. film put out by an Ethiopian because it was like it was us on a screen. 
So my parents moved heaven and earth to find it, you know, and, and at that time you had to like mail order it. You had to like write a letter, send a paper check in the mail to whatever the distributor was, <laughs> wherever they were in Europe or wherever to find the film. But we were like, wherever we are, we're going to own it because it, it really was important. It's really powerful. And so you're, you're absolutely right. That's beautiful. And, I, and I hope in our lifetime, we will see our, our children being able to quickly and easily access. And I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing the, the trend moving towards that. And I, I, as we wrap this up, Mugambi, a question Beautiful. I did not prep you for, but I would love to hear from you is, is what, what advice are you giving young storytellers and directors and writers who are coming up in this space? How are you advising them as they start to navigate this space? <laughs> you have found me at an interesting place uh, with that question because I, I've really gone back to scratch, just back to the beginning, almost erasing everything that's happened before. Uh, it's good. I'm, I'm I'm really glad about the success so far, but I feel like I'm back at the beginning, like, you know, mm. just a novice filmmaker all over again, which isn't entirely a bad thing. And I guess I'll only speak from that truthful position. I'll, I'll speak to the young people from what's in front of my face right now. Uh... Each film has a shelf life of one year, one good year. Um, it'll come out, it'll get seen probably at home, and then it'll play, if it's lucky, the festival route and get seen by, if it's lucky, a, a few hundred thousand people. And then it might get consigned to a streaming service where it becomes a, a fish in an ocean of many, many other fish. And and that's that's the truth. That's the truth of it. Yeah. Um. In 2020, we were all sitting at home wondering what is the work for if one global pandemic can mean that I'm not going to work again, and it doesn't look like I'll be getting work again for several days or weeks or months or even years because we didn't know where it was going from that point on. The reality of uh of being a filmmaker or being an artist is that you have to go back to start, and the conversations about your work are never going to be held in a space where it's just about the work. It's going to be about the money. It's going to be about the politics. It's going to be about what's going on outside of the cinema hall as your, as your film is being screened. It still comes down to the emotions, whatever it is that's on the top of people's minds at that point. Art is an extremely subjective medium for which if you're not careful, you might get caught up in those waves and you might think that the waves are what is important. I want to tell you as a young artist, as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a comedian, as a sculptor, as a painter, as a poet, as a novelist, um, that regardless of what is out there, the fullness and the vastness of what's inside your, your, your brain and, and your heart and your psyche and your lived experience and all the agonies and all the ecstasies, those are the things that form you. Seek to be most truthful in what it is that you have to say about the world and you will find that the world will show up truthfully for you as well. And I think that is the biggest award for any artist that puts their work out there. Mm, I'm gonna take that to heart myself. Thank you for that, Mugambi. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm I'm saying that to myself as much as to anyone else. Isn't that the truth? You have to encourage yourself in the Lord, as the scripture says. <laughs> encourage yourself every day. So Absolutely. before I close, I, I always ask my guests two questions just because I'm curious like that. 
So my first mm -hmm. spontaneous question as I close is, is what's your favorite drink, Mugambi? What's my favorite drink at the moment? Uh, well, coffee. Coffee is still my <laughs> out and out favorite. Um, Should I, I ask you what kind of coffee? Should I ask what kind? Because, you know, there's uh, Ethiopian, there's Kenyan, there's Tanzanian, there's Rwandan. So, so, so this, it, it's actually a mix of Ethiopian and Kenyan. Okay, I, I took two a packets. blend. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a blend, but I, I blended them myself because the Ethiopian, it, it, it still kicks my taste buds in the butt. Like, like I, I'm still, it's still a little bit, a lot. Like, like we do so on I the marathon. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's last to take it, I have to take it down a bit. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I'm drinking now. Okay. Um, but as far as cocktails go, I, I love a Negroni. It's okay. a very bitter drink. It also kicks your taste buds in the butt but I, I really like it yeah so okay. that's what i'm enjoying so you yeah. you stay with the black is beautiful kind of drinks i like it i like it okay. yes and yes. then the last yes. thing you know salam and hello we, we try and focus on joy and justice here so tell me what's bringing you joy the sun golden hour that mm. that uh that that time between about uh uh 5 p.m and 6 30 uh where the sun is low on the horizon and everything is thrown in gold and taking a very silent walk, uh, whether it's with uh, my dog or uh, recently, because I've been at my uh, parents' house with my dad, just those quiet, quiet, quiet moments in the sun um, and, 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 and it being 7 p.m. and still having light outside, that is giving me more joy than you'd ever imagine. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Mugambi, yeah. thank you for who you are. Thank you for your work, your stories. You know, you're just, every time I talk with you, I feel lifted. So thank you. Oh. I, I look forward to many more conversations and stories from Me you too. in the future. I, I, the work you're doing is so important. I think you're an amazing individual. From the first time I heard you speaking uh, in public during Datasphere, thank you so much for the work that oh. you do. Thank you for being so generous with your journey and for asking all the difficult questions. The mm -hmm. questions that you ask me have me, have me being so introspective. And I think it takes courage to be as introspective as you are and to ask all these questions. So thank you so much for the work that you do. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Mugambi, thank you. You are just a gem. You're so generous and you offer so much wisdom to all of us and just levity and love. And I love talking to you. So thank you for being on the show. You can follow Mugambi on Instagram at It's Mugambi. He does a great Monday night uh, screening with movies. You can join him. It's virtual and, you know, get into a real nerdy conversation about the movies he's watching and viewing and reviewing that week every Monday night. So check him out on Instagram. And you can also find a lot of his work um, in different places. So Netflix, you can find Nairobi Half-Life. Amazon Prime, you can buy Supermodo. And coming to Netflix as well soon is Kati Kati. So watch Netflix for that coming out. And we'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. As always, I would love to hear from you. So just send me an email at lily at salamanhello.com. And until we talk again, take it easy. Peace. Peace.